As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's going on up there could be the most important event in history. Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. I said, I hope this is as close to hell as I'll ever get. Hello and welcome to the Tales from the Dark podcast. I'm your host, Bob, here with my co-host, Brittany. Hey guys, what's up? Brittany, we we had a long weekend. Yeah, that's why this episode's going up late. <laughs> yeah, so it's going up late and it's going up on a Tuesday instead of Monday. So a little later than normal. But we came back from vacation yesterday, so that's why. Yeah, so we took a little break. We went down to Eastern Kentucky. Uh, the plan was for me to fish and read some books and reconnect with nature and relax. And none of that happened at all, except for... We fished a little bit. We fished a little bit. So yeah, we did fish. We did we did a little bit of relaxing. I can't I can't pretend like we didn't do anything we set out to do. But like it normally does, especially when we're talking Eastern Kentucky, the phenomenon had other ideas. And other plans. So basically to summarize this as quick as possible, we ended up completely by accident staying in the uh, the same hotel room as Greg and Dana Newkirk did during the first Hellier expedition. After legitimately they, by accident yeah it was completely by accident we checked in at like four in the morning the office was closed at this motel and yeah. she left a key for us in the mailbox yeah we so, had no pick no nothing and uh it was the same one that the greg and dana did in season one episode two where they did the tarot spread yeah so that was crazy and then we long again we covered this uh pretty heavily we did a couple live streams one on facebook one on instagram uh the night after yeah 
But basically the TLDR is we happened to meet somebody the next day from Point Pleasant, West Virginia, who's from there, who was a keynote speaker at the Mothman Festival in 2016. We're going to reach out to him. We got to get him. We got to get him on the show. Yeah, I mean, completely synchronistically. We were looking for Pokemon cards and we found this guy working at the shop. And we found those cards. Just update for the people that aren't in the Facebook group. We found those fucking cards. And I we finally got, got them. We got some good ass cards too. But it was just, it was just, you know, crazy how it usually is. And again, if you guys want to hear that, that full story, let me know. Uh, maybe in the Forbidden App on Patreon this week, I'll, uh, we, we can tell the full story. And if you guys don't know what we're talking about, um, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Tales from the Dark. Every week we do an extra episode and usually they're a little bit more vulgar or a little bit more out there. And we couldn't put them on regular podcast platforms. We put, them, we put them up on the Patreon with a bunch of other cool stuff. So again, that's patreon.com slash tales from the dark. $1 gets you access to those bonus episodes. And we have a bunch of other cool tiers with other cool stuff. But we have something to kind of celebrate today, Miss Brittany. What is that? So you put this, if you're in the Facebook group already, also we have a crazy Facebook group, Tales from the Dark. Just search us up on Facebook. You can join the group and ha- you know get in on these live investigations and live streams. But... You shared a certain memory today. Yes, I did. It was the year anniversary of your upload of Are You Having Strange Dreams? Yes. So some folks, uh, they're confused because they see the Tales from the Dark channel. They're like, oh, you guys are, you've been around longer than a year. The channel itself was a, a brainchild of mine that existed months in advance. Like I, I had done some some Twitch live streams and stuff under the same name, Tales from the Dark, where I just uh, basically reacted to paranormal like clips. clips that were sent in to me. And that did pretty good. Yeah, yeah. People, people enjoyed it, but the YouTube didn't have anything on it. I just made it under the assumption that maybe one day I would make a YouTube channel called Tales from the Dark. So it sat dormant for well over a year. Same thing with the email. The email sat dormant for well over a year, didn't touch it, didn't check it, nothing. And then... We got the, uh, I got the inkling to do the, are you having strange dreams of nonsense that threw us down a wormhole that we're still not out of. And I wanted to say publicly, I really appreciate you believing in me because <laughs> I don't think a lot of uh, significant others would be able to. So basically how this went, I know we told the story a few times, but it's, it's extra special today because this is the anniversary. Um, I had been toying around with the idea of a YouTube channel. I had been a paranormal investigator you know, off years. and on basically my, my entire adult life, teenage years till now. I mean, we're coming up on like 15, 16 years I've been doing this. Yeah. And I've always had a fascination with, you know, UFOs, with paranormal. Anything high strangeness. Yeah, anything weird I, I was into, it, conspiracy theories. I, 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 was, I was all for it. Yeah. And I am perusing Reddit one day and I see this flyer. And it says, or have you been having strange dreams? The, uh, the, the happy Valley dream survey would like to hear about it. Please call this number. I'm, I'm botching it, but basically call this number with a brief description of your dreams. And that was about it initially. And so I start looking into this more and more and more and I'm getting excited. And it's actually hilarious before we went on the trip, I took uh, my notebook with me mm-hmm. and in the, the notebook, the first thing at the very top, big letters, who the fuck is Fatel? <laughs> At the very top, because at the end of my first day, I was, I was at work on, on, at the old company. So I can say this, I was spending, I was getting no work done. I was literally just all into Reddit and into whatever was happening that day. Yeah. That's where we found the pig and vine. Yeah. The, just the weird cicada references. Yeah, all of it was fucking bizarre, but I, I'm at work and I'm going through all this and I go home and I say, Brittany, I've got this idea. I think we should go to Detroit 
we should go to a payphone. Again, this is 2020. I'm like, we should go to this payphone. We can take Danny with us in case we need to, you know, pawn on, pawn him off as a 13 year old. <laughs> Danny's our buddy. He's a uh, law enforcement officer for the city of Toledo. So much respect for what he does. But he 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 looks like a movie star that was shrunk. That's the best description yeah, of he, Danny. He's a very han- he looks like a very very handsome young man. Like at the, at the end of the reunion, you're like, oh, you're you're gonna be a big boy when you get older. You're gonna but be a football player when you just, get a little bigger. Yeah, but he just never got a little bigger. He, <laughs> <laughs> but we love Danny. Danny. So Danny goes up there with us. We do this investigation, and the whole time, Brittany's like, "What the fuck have you gotten me into? What is this? What well, because we almost got our car stolen. There was a prostitute down the road. Oh yeah, it was. There nuts. were drug dealers. I mean, there were people scoping us out. It was literally the street that this phone is on is the worst street in detroit yeah and we were told that by a police officer from detroit exactly so i get this idea for this youtube channel i'm like look you know there's a lot of high strangeness out there and i I even look i look at the dark tubers out there there's a lot of internet mysteries and conspiracies but i'm like you know nobody's going out and doing it. Nobody is going to, you know, cause there was a, cause they're people, not crazy enough. Yeah, well, there were been a few videos about, cause people are like, you guys weren't the first to do the dream surveys. No, you're right. I, I can tell you, I was the fucking first to go, to go to one, to go to a phone, to talk to Fatel, to get blocked by Carl Anderson. I know for a fact, I was the first one to do all that. <laughs> I still, I still laugh about that because yeah. he responded to your email. He's like, hey, thank you so much for reaching out. I'm like, oh, by the way, I'm doing a, a, an editorial piece on Fatel. Would you like mine answering some questions? Blocked. <laughs> Gone on everything instantly. <laughs> but no, so seriously, thank you, Brittany, for believing in me. Because literally, that's such a crazy thing to, to, to have done, to, to say. When I just came to you and said, hey, look, I want to start this YouTube channel. I want to invest this money. The, the, this camera's only $1,000. Look, look <laughs> if everything I need is only about, about $1,200. I know that that's like a decent car that we could buy instead. <laughs> But I want it. I, this is what I want. And you believed in me. And that set off a chain reaction that's still going on. Because yeah. next thing I know, I think I did three total videos on between the the, the Strange Dream Flyers, Fatel, and then the 5th of September. Yep. And next thing I know, I, I get uh, a, a message on Facebook from a gentleman by the name of Nick Alexander. <laughs> And Nick. he said, Hey, uh, I'm the host of a popular podcast for Ohio podcast. Um, I would love to have you on the show and talk about these flyers. Um, by the way, are you also from Ohio or so, something to that effect? I don't remember. We we've exchanged hundreds of messages since then. So I, I don't know. Most of them are just pictures of him naked that I don't ask for, but I don't know. I'm not, I'm not telling him to stop either. So it's one of those things. Allegedly. But, but uh, he has me on the podcast and I'm nervous the whole time. I'm like, yeah. And then, uh, um, we went to, uh, <laughs> Detroit after that. Next, like, oh, really? After you went to Detroit, what happened? And I'm like, uh, there were uh, there was a phone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I had breathing intensifies. I had no idea what I was doing back then. <laughs> and, and, and this is pre podcast. This is before the Tales from the Dark podcast. That didn't launch till December. Yeah, so this is like six months of us just doing whatever the yeah. fuck we wanted to yeah. do. We were just figuring it out. And I, I go on that podcast. Next thing I know, I get a handful of groups that join the Tales from the Dark group. And it just starts to slowly snowball. I get messages from all over the world, all over the country about these. I'm finding, I found the strange dream flyer in Seattle. Oh, that's cool. I found one in, in Atlanta. Oh, what? I just went down this rabbit hole and then I got obsessed with high strangers. And then Tyler Terry convinced me to watch Hellier. And I think that that was the, I think that was the Flint hitting the match right there. Like that set the fires when Hellier got mixed in with the Fatel stuff. And then, 
my love for the paranormal was was like reborn. And I'm like, Brittany, we got to go to Kentucky. And then, <laughs> you know, be not scared. I was honestly to be like, hey, we should go to Kentucky. I, I well, first off, okay. So so before we go to Kentucky, can we go to Point Pleasant, West Virginia, to see a statue of a giant moth? And you know how you know how hard that was to bring up to you the first time, like, hey, I want to do this. And you had watched Hellier, and you were like, what the fuck are they doing? What is this? And we went up, we did all the stuff. It, it was just so hard to bring that up to you and be like, hey, um, can we spend our entire savings account going to hunt cryptids? Um, I don't know if you believe in them. We've never actually had this conversation. I don't know if you knew how weird I was. I'm sorry. But it, it's been an insane ride. We appreciate all of you guys. And, and more than anybody in, in the world, I appreciate Brittany. I, I appreciate you more for believing in me, believing in us, and then starting this with me. Because most most wives wouldn't be like, <laughs> All right, what UFO is it today? Oh well, this this one. Look, Brittany, this one's only in Tennessee. Okay, let's pack up and get let's get in the car. I fed I the dogs. I fed the cats. Let's go. I don't know a single <laughs> wife. I don't know any wives out there. If I'm like, hey, so I know we have the weekend to ourselves. We got a bit of extra money. I uh, look. I know you want to go out to the movies, but what if instead? I take you to Salt Fork State Park and we hunt for the Ohio grass. Man. <laughs> and you were like, fucking, hey, let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> and so it's it's nice to be, you know, essentially we're married. It's a, that, That's the way I view it. To someone equally as bizarre and strange and fucking out there as I am. <laughs> and not knowing that's, it. You know, do you know say. what the gamble was? Because, it, you know, I often, I look back at the Hell, You're the Greg and Dana story. You know, they made fun of each other, but they were both ghost hunters. Yeah, we never had a conversation. You, no, you were you were this sweet little innocent Southern belle from North Carolina that I met on League of Legends. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> let me tell you about how I think Bigfoot is actually an extraterrestrial that's coming from our own planet. Yeah, we now that I actually think about it, we literally I think I we had a couple conversations where I yelled about people who didn't believe that aliens were out there, not necessarily visiting us. Yeah. But the percentage of our territory in the universe and universes that's undiscovered and ever expanding. And I yelled at you and I was like, why don't people believe there's other organisms? It doesn't have to be alien goblins. It doesn't have to be that. But even a micro organism could be considered an alien. 100%. And this, uh, I'm, I'm falling more and more in love every second. I'm telling you. <laughs> but we had that kind of conversation before, but we never talked about cryptids. We never talked about paranormal. We never talked about any of that until Tales from the Dark. Until Tales from the Dark. And, th- and that's the thing. And, 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 you know, I had this, uh, this, this, I've, uh, there's a few questions that I've had asked over and over. I wanted to answer really quick before we get on to a behemoth of a topic that I've been waiting to talk about for months. So where did the name Tales from the Dark come from? So I grew up in the 90s. I was born in 92. My birthday's coming up. I grew up with this show that I was never allowed to watch because it scared me and I have nightmares and I pissed the bed <laughs> called Are You Afraid of the Dark? Oh, God. And then I grew up, uh, I'd wait till my parents fell asleep and I'd go downstairs. I'd either watch like Skin of Max, you know, the, the, the Lornos, or I would watch uh, Tales from the Crypt on sci-fi. And so I... The idea for Tales from the Dark came from Tales from the Grip to the Crypt and Are You Afraid of the Dark? I pushed those together, Tales from the Dark. That's, Allegedly. That's Don't hard. sue us. <laughs> uh, well, no, I mean, it, it's in its own right. It's its own name. And then the the other question I get asked all the freaking time, or I've been asked several times on the podcast, what got me into the paranormal? I had a bad childhood. End of story. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's what that's got me into the, the paranormal. One. I had a bad childhood. That's <laughs> it. I, I grew up uh, reading these fantasy novels, you know, reading Tolkien. I grew up reading 
all of the JK Rowling books, all, all, all the Harry Potters. And I got into twilight. I, I've read, I love fantasy novels. I love fantasy, anything to do with fantasy worlds. I loved it. Cause I could get lost in a world that wasn't my own. See, we went very two different directions. Go you, ahead. You were out looking in abandoned houses for ghosts, right? And I was sitting on my twin size bed, rereading Tolkien, trying to learn Elvin. So we went <laughs> okay. two very different directions in our childhood. I, mean, I didn't go out hunting ghosts. I tried to learn Elvin. So and that's fair. That's fair. That's, I think Matthew actually messaged and said that he was going to learn that as well at one point, which if anybody out there could learn that language, it's Matthew. Absolutely. It's fucking Matthew. And Ma- if Matthew learns that language, he's going to teach me because I still would learn Elvin to this day. I agree. So we've got, I, I, I kind of hinted at this mammoth of a topic. So, so there has been a handful of emails and I think we had a, a message on Patreon about it as well, asking, Hey, what, what the sound bites, the people in the beginning of your intro, who are those folks? So eventually we will sell, we will tell the story of Woodrow Derenberger and, and injured cold. There are a few factors with that story that I'm waiting to explore myself before we cover that specifically Oppenheimer, the father of the atomic bomb. And we kind of touched on him on, uh, our Chernobyl, the Chernobyl. And then Chernobyl, we, and we talked about him uh, as well with the Mothman episode with Tyler. Yeah. But we haven't actually done an episode just on any of our intro Correct. people. Yeah. So this one is going to be on Robert Bob Lazar. And so understand that I'm going to approach this differently than I would most topics because how I'm going to approach it is how the average listener will find this information online. There are, there's a lot more information about Bob Lazar that's untold or is has only told through different media outlets that you have to listen to specifically. So, Other podcasts, yep, podcasts, Joe Rogan podcasts, yep. his documentary, yep, Bob Lazar aliens in area 51. Um, he did with Jeremy Corbell. Yep, with Jeremy correct? Corbell. Yep. So there's other avenues that we do highly recommend that you listen to when it comes to Bob Lazar. Yes. So what I'm going to do is, I'm, like I said, I'm going to approach this as a, if I were to Google who is Bob Lazar, well, I'm going to approach it from there. I'm going to try and as we go through the claims, who he is, explain. A little deeper. Yeah, a little deeper. And then I'm going to dive into an article that that's really well written um, about how Bob Lazar's story actually aligns with the recent Pentagon outings regarding UAPs, as they're called now, which. We, here, won't, we won't say that. That's a dirty yeah. word here at tales from the dark. I do not believe in calling them UAPs because ultimately if you guys really want to know, um, it was called UFOs for years and then crazy folk, conspiracy folk, all the weirdos called it UFO. So air brother, quotes around that yeah, big brother didn't like that. So we, we, we redubbed them UAPs on unidentified aerial phenomenons. And there are some people that are going to dispute that and say, no, they're called UAPs because of this FBI report. No, I'm telling you right now, this came from the, the director of the FBI that's that's why it was changed over. The CIA has their own you know opinion on it, but that's that's the the stance that I took against the term UAP, and also UAP has different military meanings as well. So I my my squirrel sized brain can't really uh, distinct one from the other. Yeah, isn't a UAP a a, a weapon? No, you're, you're thinking of an EMP. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Um, but there's a UAP. It's a type of uh, map reading diagram, basically. And that's how, that's what I think UAP. That's the first thing I think of. I don't think of flying saucer. So let's dive into the claims of Bob Lazar. And, and again, this is going to be kind of long winded. So interject as you feel, but again, this is important for me to do. And I know folks don't like the longer intros. I don't, this one, I don't give a fuck. You guys can <laughs> just deal with it. I had to, you know, profess my love to Brittany again publicly, but I also had to thank you guys 
for enabling us to go on these adventures and for just sticking, sticking with the crazy from the heroin in the bathroom. Oh my God. To our car almost getting stolen in Detroit to, you know, possibly contacting an extraterrestrial on the side of the fucking road where Woodrow Derenberger met injured cold at four in the morning on a live stream. Yep. We've done some crazy shit. It's, we're going to do an entire Patreon episode this week of all our favorite adventures of the last year. That's, that's the forbidden app this week. Cause there's some stuff that. that we've never made public. I agree with that. Okay. So on to the Robert Bob Lazar claims here. So Lazar has achieved notoriety as an area 51 conspiracy theorist. Again, we're starting rich. We're starting rich with the defecating all over Bob Lazar story. Because yeah. Let's the, just shit on him right off the fucking bat. Cause that term conspiracy theorist, it, it has just, such a negative connotation. Yep. And it, and it, and it doesn't have to, it doesn't need to. It's original definition. Didn't have any negative connotation to it. It's but it's amazing what the media can do, right? Yeah. Disinformation. So in May of 1989, he appeared in an interview with investigative reporter, George Knapp on Las Vegas TV station, KLAS, which is a gym. I we we have it. so much respect for George Knapp specifically. Yep. And, and again, I know he has some checkered stuff in his past, but if you are an investigative reporter into high strangeness for 40 freaking years and you don't have a checkered past, I don't think you've ever actually been out there. So KLAS under the pseudonym Dennis and with his face hidden to discuss his purported employment at S4, a subsidiary facility he claimed exists near the Nellis Air Force Base installation known as Area 51. So if you guys never heard this story, there's a confusion of people saying Bob Lazar worked at Area 51. He did not work at Area 51. He worked at S4. That's a very important detail to remember. Haven't, haven't we talked about for a long time that Area 51 isn't actually Area 51? Yeah, we talked about this in the Right Pat episode. Area 51 isn't actually the alien searching, like, Holding the the yes, underground extraterrestrials, they, they were held at Wright Patterson Air Force Base in but Hangar that, Fourteen. That's the scapegoat exactly. because everyone knows of Area Fifty One. Area Fifty One is the weather balloon of military installations. Exactly. That's, so they're not actually going to keep everything anything important there yes. because everyone knows about it. Exactly. So he claims that said facility was adjacent to the uh, to uh, Papoose Lake, which is located off the main Area Fifty One facility at Groom Lake. He claimed that the site consisted of concealed aircraft hangars built into a mountainside. Lazar said that the, uh, that his job was to find and re- or was to help find and then cho- uh, toy with the reverse engineering of one of nine flying saucers, which he alleged were extraterrestrial in origin. He claims one of the fl- flying saucers that he coined the Sport model was manufactured out of a metallic substance similar in appearance and, and touch to stainless steel. In a subsequent interview that November, Lazar appeared unmasked and under his own name, where he claimed that his job interview for work at the facility was under a contracting company named EG&G, and his employer was the United States Navy. EG&G stated it had no records on him. So this is where I have to cut in, because again, this is, this is if you were to Google who is Bob Lazar, this is the information you're presented with. So from what I just read to you, this all sounds like a made up made up story by a crazy person. Exactly. But knowing what we know and knowing what we've researched, this is just not the case. So George Knapp reached out to EGNG and they said, yeah, we got records of working him working here. Yeah. We'll send him right over. He never got him. Reached out a second time. He's never worked here. Who's, 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 who's Bob Lazar. He's never worked here before. Huge red flag. Now what they're missing out on here, this clip this snippet of information about him working at S4 and why he then came out unmasked. 
So Bob Lazar, and, and we will touch on the disinformation agent stuff at the end of the episode. So I know there's some people who's, you know, their, their fingers are already typing on the Apple reviews saying you guys know nothing. Mm-hmm. We'll touch on the, the disinformation agent stuff at the end. Okay. So he did. He, so initially EG and G said, yes, he did work here. And then suddenly he no longer worked there. That, yeah. They backtracked and said that he never existed basically. So there was a nasty affair that went on. So at this point in time, there was a phone tap put on Bob Lazar's home. They found out that his wife had an affair. This is all public knowledge. I think he, I want to say it was either Rogan or uh, at some point, maybe it was in the documentary. Bob Lazar speaks about this. Yeah. Um, they discussed this, yeah, but the basically affair. the psychological trauma that he went through. Yeah. And so Bob Lazar came unmasked out of fear that he was going to be killed because he had gone on the, the radio. And the whole reason he went on the radio to begin with on the, on the talk show. And George Knapp does a much better job of explaining this than what we could ever do. Cause he lived it, but he was afraid for his life because he wanted to go public about this information because he thought that it was only right that humanity knew what, what was, was actually happening. And now understand at this time, this was unheard of. This was, he's fucking crazy. He's the crazy UFO guy. Knowing what we know now and what we'll get into later about how this actually aligns with what the, the Pentagon's come out and said, this will make a little bit more sense. So just kind of bear with us, bear with bit. us, but also it's important that we establish this history early on. Lazar has claimed that the uh, propulsion of the studied vehicle ran in an antimatter reactor and was fueled by the chemical element with atomic number 115 or element 115. That's vitally important to the story because at this point in time, this element was unknown to the entirety of the world. It exactly. was not public. No one knew about it. It was literally an un, it sounds like a Superman comic. Yeah. This, the one thing that people said at this point in time was it sounded like he was reading out of a sci-fi script. So, uh, which at the time was provisionally named, uh, I'm not going to try and pronounce this U N U N P E N T I U M and had not yet been artificially created. It was first synthesized in 2003 and later named Muscovium M O S C O V I U M. He further stated that the, that the propulsion system relied on a stable isotope of element 115, which allegedly, allegedly generates a gravity wave that allowed the vehicle to fly around and to evade visual detection by bending the light around it. So basically an anti-gravity ship. Yeah, and like a force field basically around it. Exactly. So at this point, Brittany, if I were to tell you this information, not knowing what you know about Bob Lazar, what conclusion would you come to? He's fucking crazy. He He's just making a bunch of stuff up just to get... Because we've talked about this before about other UFO cases that people make up this information, make up experiences, make up books and stories, and they yep. financially gain off of it. Exactly. What is there to gain? That's always the first question we ask. And what is there to gain from any information we read? Yes. And, and that's, again, that's a peek behind the curtain to Brittany and I's investigative style is, okay, if you come to me with a crazy story and in that email, the story, it says, if you talk about this, I, I want my name on the podcast. I want rights to it, whatever. I'm going to then kind of look at it a, a little bit different. So we have a story um, that's actually pretty in line with this by a listener who I'm not going to name, who the story that he's telling me closely aligns with a lot of this stuff. And I think that he came to us out of a concern instead of out of a, Hey, I want to be famous. It's a, Hey, I need to someone else to be in the loop to make sure yes. I at least have some protection. And that's stuff that we've been working on for a long time. Um, he's great, great listener. And I fully believe his story because again, he's never once said, Hey, can I come on the podcast? It's been like, Hey man, come on the podcast, tell this story, get this out there. So uh, no stable isotopes of this uh, element 115 had yet been synthesized, all been proven extremely radioactive decaying in a few hundred milliseconds. 
Lazar also said that the craft was dismantled and the reactor he studied was topped by a sphere or a semi-sphere, which emitted a force field capable of repulsing human flesh. So the best way I can think to, to explain this is take two magnets and push them together. How you can't ever touch the magnets together, like two very strong magnets, that's basically what this would be like. Yeah. He explained that the craft was split into two main levels. The reactor was positioned at the center of the upper level with an antenna extending, extending to the top, surrounded by three gravity amplifiers. These connected to the gravity emitters on the lower level, which can rotate 180 degrees to output a gravity beam or an anti-gravity wave, and that the craft would then travel belly first into this distortion field. So best way I can, I can choose to, I can think to describe that is if you put a plate in a, so like a, a styrofoam plate into a giant thing of water, it leans forward some and it pushes against the wave of water without water ever touching the top of the craft. That's the best way I can think of to possibly explain this. It's, yeah. I've seen the diagrams. It's very, this is the only problem I have with a, with a podcast is it's not like we can show. You know, show someone this, but that's the best way I can think of to put it. Yeah. So Lazar additionally claimed that during his joining the program, he read briefing documents describing the historical involvement of Earth for the past 10,000 years, with extraterrestrial beings described as gray aliens from a planet orbiting the twin binary star system, Zeta Reticuli. Which has been brought up repeatedly in a lot of different yes. UFO cases. Since then. And, 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 and before. But and was before. it Betty? Um, I, I think Betty and Barney Hill also Zeta Reticuli. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Because they pointed it out on a star map. Yes, because uh, at the Betty and Barney Hill story, as Betty was leaving, she, she, saw, she saw the map and she said, hey, can I take this with me? One gray said, yes. sure, whatever. And the other one was like, fuck no, you can't take this. Give it back. You can't take this with you. But later on when she was, I think she was either presented. I think she was presented with a map and she pointed out all of the these different like abstract star systems that, that publicly didn't exist. Yeah. So Zeta Reticuli comes up quite a lot too. That's not that in Sirius B. Sirius B is another one that comes up a lot. And that's where the bad evil grays come from, depending on who you talk to. I mean, there's two sides that think Sirius B is just a wormhole. It's like a... And Sirius is a very prominent name, which I know that we name our own star systems once we yes. discover it. But Sirius is a prominent name throughout town, cities, names throughout history as throughout well. Throughout history, yeah. Back to the Romans and the Greeks. Is, I think that's the first one that I can personally remember Sirius being used was Romans and Greeks, but possibly before then as well. Because again, the question is up, where did they get their knowledge? Exactly. So as of September 2019, no extrasolar planets have been found in the Zeta Reticuli system. But back in 1989, Lazar said that the seats of the saucer he saw were approximately child size and that he had seen alien cadavers of a corresponding size. I want to cut that right there. Lazar referred to them as the kids. The kids was a reference point used across all of S4. Bob Lazar has been incredibly, incredibly systematically the same on this story with the exception of this one detail. Detail. And he, I think, corrected this well on Joe Rogan, where he said, I spoke saying I saw, I saw the kids, the kids, the alien cadavers. But at this point, he didn't describe them as cadavers. They were living and they were inside of a basically like a padded room in S4. But he says that I was under gunpoint. I was being escorted by a guard who said, keep your head forward and was very forceful about it. And he saw it in a blink of an eye. So basically just in his peripheral vision. Yeah, he saw it as a flash. And and one thing I can tell you, I recently went and got my eyes checked. I got new contacts, new glasses. There are a few things that she did during the eye exam where she would change the slides. And she said, well, okay, what did you see in between each slide? I have no fucking idea. I, I, I think I saw this, but it could have been this. Okay, yes, you were right the first time. Second time you were close. 
So that's a professional it's, eye exam, six inches in front of my face. Imagine yeah. being walked, you're under stress. It's a, fl- it's a flash in front of your face. Your you're, memory is going to make connections that might not be there. Yeah, and you but know. But he's how, been very forward about that. Like, I yes. may or may not have seen that. Yep, and, and he, he, he and has here's since the conditions. Then, exactly, and, and that's what I love about it because we can talk Travis Walton for a moment who said this is exactly what happened in this, in this order to a T. Well, I, well, well, Travis, your friend, the, you know, the person who says that they were with you said it happened this way. Yeah, my mistake. It happened this way. Okay, well, he's now come back on it, so, so on and so forth. Bob Lazar is a contactee, which I, we can treat him as a contactee case as he was in contact with the crafts, has been one of the few that have been incredibly specific, specific and spot on each time they retell the story. Yeah. So he also said while walking down a hallway, he briefly glanced through a door uh, window and saw what he interpreted as two men in lab coats facing uh, down with uh, down and talking to something with long arms. Three decades later, he said he did not think he saw an alien, but speculated he saw a doll used as a reference the size uh, of the alleged aliens and a nickname used for them was the kids. So again, they kind of tell the story there, but they don't tell the whole story. Yeah. And the whole story is that he saw it in a flash. So again, it's very important for us to stop. And I know people are like, stop, stopping every five seconds. This is the problem with a public Wikipedia article that has not been updated because he has publicly spoken since this has occurred. And it wasn't updated at that point to his, you know, updated claims, more or less. So Lazar claims to have, an, or have earned a master's degree of physics from Massachusetts uh, Institute of Technology, or MIT, and a master's degree in electronic technology from the California Institute of Technology, or Caltech. However, there are no records of Lazar attending either MIT or Caltech. His supposed employment at Nellis Air Force Base subsidiary has also been discredited by skeptics as well as the U.S. United States Air Force. So I actually want to jump in here a little bit. Okay. So Bob Lazar, from what I remember from his appearance on Joe Rogan, which we've actually listened to a couple times now. Yes. From what I remember, he had a checkered past in regards to his job. Like, I think he had some disciplinary actions. He had some minor run-ins with the law. I think maybe speeding tickets, things like that. Nothing like jail time or anything like that. Yeah, nothing major. But they specifically picked Bob Lazar, allegedly, for this job because of his checkered past, because they could discredit him at any moment by saying, well, look what this guy did. Look what this guy did. Yes. Or they had the option of which they took to completely erase his past. Yeah. And then there's also the reason that he was picked for this job, because a lot of folks have brought up, hey, why the fuck did, was he picked for the shop? Because he was there young. Were more qualified people. Yeah, he was young. So there were, he, he met a gentleman, a certain scientist outside of a, he was giving a, um, a speech at a nearby university. I can't remember the gentleman's name. He said, hey, you know, I'm Bob Lazar. He wanted to cut out work early. He went down and watched the speech. And he's who recommended him for this job. Now, granted, now, Bob Lazar wasn't Bob Lazar the alien guy. He was Bob the jet car guy. He put a fucking jet engine on the back of his Honda. This guy, Fast and Furious style. This guy, yeah, I mean, legitimately, like the new Fast and the Furious movie. He thought outside of the box. He was a free thinker. He liked guns. Uh, George Knapp said when he first met Bob Lazar, he had a pirate flag above his house. He was, you know, a very he, eccentric kind of guy. Yeah, had a fireworks show in the desert, a legal fireworks show that then became like a national treasure that people went to to go see over the actual Las Vegas uh, fireworks extravaganza. He was a weird guy who thought outside the box. And so Bob thinks that that's why he was chosen was because he doesn't look at things like a normal person does. He's willing to look at the crazier side of uh, of science, which. But at the same time, 
that goes back to the point of being able to discredit him as well if he goes haywire. 100%. 100%. I, I, I'm you, on board with you on that one. Because you can't have these crazy thinkers and also make them fit in a box. Exactly. Because, because that goes against their whole moral stance. That goes against their whole thinking stance. Yep. I mean, and, and what what uh, something I want to talk about, because it's not referenced in this article, conveniently enough. They didn't let the scientists talk to each other. They had a buddy. So if you were from the military, you can think of it like your battle buddy. You go everywhere with this buddy. You bounce everything off of this buddy. He you is accountable talk for about you. Everything. You're accountable for him. And that's it. They, they weren't working with a group, of, a team of scientists like you would, you know, curing cancer or something or, or, or in modern times, the vaccine is, you know, crazy as that may be. They were completely sectioned off yes. and they were not allowed to communicate with each other. Only people who were very, very, very high up in the project and in the yep. military were allowed to know everything. And even officials who came to gather the reports did not talk to each other. They had to report that directly to someone else. Exactly. So that's, then that's, that's not how you get things done. I mean, the term think tank, I mean, there's a reason it's called a think tank. You get 25 of the best minds together and you throw it all at the problem. You know, Brittany might be an astrophysicist. I might be a mechanical engineer. So I'm going to approach it as a mechanical engineer. You're going to approach it as an astrophysicist. But you might have some ways of thinking that I don't and exactly. vice versa. And that's why it's, you know, in these think tanks, that they, it's the best and, you know, the br- best and brightest. You hear that term all the time, turn around. But my conspiracy theory about that is that they didn't want these scientists to get together and be able to recreate this on their own. So, so I, I'm going to throw something at you. Uh, I, I, we got a couple more paragraphs here to get through and then we're going to, we're going to revisit that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so his alleged employment as a physicist at Los Alamos, uh, Mason's physics, physics, uh, sorry, Los Alamos Messon physics facility. Why, why do all these science places have such long names? Just say science one and science two place. That's fine. <laughs> Within the NASA, <laughs> it gets extremely angry. Yeah. NASA is no longer going to be a sponsor tales from the dark. <laughs> Uh, within the Los Alamos National Laboratory is mentioned in multiple New Mexico newspaper articles from the summer of 1982, which focused on his interest in jet-powered cars. KLAS found a Robert Lazar in a 1982 Los Alamos Nation, uh, National Laboratory phone director, directory, but the laboratory repeatedly, repeatedly denied having any records on him. Lazar alleges that his records have been erased. However, skeptics such as Donald R. Prothero and Stanton D. Friedman and Timothy D. Callahan have found this to be implausible, according to Prothero. He was employed by not only by the government, but rather as a technician working for a private company that contracted the work at Los Alamos. So here's the problem. Bob Lazar took George Knapp and a camera crew into the lab, and they <laughs> let him in. The security guard waved at him. Hey, Bob, how you doing? Knew who he was. George Knapp described him as a, like a, a rabbit bouncing around in a cage. He knew everybody. They let him into the fucking rooms with a camera. Yeah. Are they really going to let a stranger who they never met? Is the military really going to let someone in like that? Who has never worked there? Let me tell you. So I, I have some security. I've had, okay. I've had some security guards over the years that have worked for me, not working for me currently, who I wouldn't trust to light a sparkler who would not let someone walk right into my facility. And be like, Hey, how you doing? And walk in with a fucking camera crew. But is, here's the thing. This is high level military security. No, that's what I'm saying. If, if they wouldn't do that at the most basic level at a food processing plant, there's no way a trained military security guards would be like, Hey, how you doing? Hi person. I don't know that I'm going to refer to. I'm going to guess your name is Bob. Bob's a common name. B-O-B front and back all day. I'm going to, I'm going to guess <laughs> that that's your fucking name. Bobby bitch. <laughs> Hi camera person who I've never met. Hi other two people. See ya. No, that's not how this fucking goes. I can tell you that that's not how this goes. 
So Lazar's story has drawn significant media attention, controversy, supporters, and detractors. Lazar admits that he has no evidence to support his core claim of alien technology. In 2017, Bob Lazar's workplace is raided by the FBI and local police, which Lazar theorizes was to recover Element 115, a substance he says he took from a government lab. Reports obtained through a Freedom of Information Act show that the raid was part of a murder investigation. Yes. Yes. I'm really... No, here's the thing, Bob. Here's the kicker. Bob Lazar murdered a weather balloon. That'll do it right there. That's that's it. That's 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 the ultimate sin here. Okay, well, if you don't have anything else to add, Brittany, I think we're gonna no. <laughs> I mean, come the fuck on. And, and and again, this these articles they always leave out. Bob Lazar took his friends up in the mountains to see test flights. He knew the dates. He knew the times. He multiple. has it on video on multiple occasions. And yet, this guy never worked here. He didn't work for us for. Okay, so he just happens to know the time that you're taking out super secret. At the, this would be top secret military test flights. He just happened to know exactly when perfect, you were going to do it and the perfect vantage points and and what what ways they would fly. He just and what really, crafts you were testing that night. Okay, yeah, so, let's talk about that interaction for a second too. Yeah, well, so so you remember this a little bit better than I do. So why don't you tell this part, and then I want to get into the my two scientists theory. Okay, so. When Bob Lazar was bringing these friends up, they were actually having like a party. They were drinking and having a good time in this area. And one one of these times after he brought the friends a couple times up there, they came up there during the same time. And I can't remember if they actually saw the test flights that night or not. I think so. I think they have it on film that night. So then in the bushes, they hadn't seen a single soul. But in the bushes, there were these soldiers who were completely stealthed out had guns, had camo, like they were completely hidden. And they all of a sudden come out of the bushes with these fucking guns pointed yep. at them. And I can't remember exactly what they said to him because, again, it was in the podcast. Yeah. But they come out and basically they tell him, like, you guys didn't see anything. You yep. need to leave. Yeah. So uh, let's get to my two scientists here real quick because I do want to talk about his criminal convictions because if we don't talk about the criminal convictions, everyone's going to say, you guys are just cherry picking. No, I'm, I'm going to present this as you would find it. And then I'm going to explain why I don't believe certain aspects of this. Okay. So the two scientists theory. So if let's say I have, I'm going to, I'm, we're going to, we're going to do a, a quick experiment here. If I have 50 scientists and I bring, I bring in some wild cards, some people that have been in the, you know, in the science industry for 60 years, some 20, some 10, some five. And then I have this wild card fucking jet car guy. <laughs> so there, there was, and they actually mentioned it in this article, which I give them props for of Bob Lazar mentioning the, the 10,000 year, um, he, he had scanned through these articles consistently and, and they were documents that had been presented to him as classified military documents that were presented as fact, allegedly as presented as fact. So if I tell you the alien was wearing a, a red space costume and I tell, I get told it's a blue space costume and Matthew says, gets told it was a black space costume and Tyler gets told it was a silver greenish with a blue stripe. If any of you guys come out and contradict each other, you're automatically dis... That, that's the thing. If, if, so if Brittany comes out and so you had blue, I get a report from an anonymous tip that S4 has a alien in a blue space suit. Brittany's the only one who got told about the blue space suit. Everyone else got told a different color. So I now know exactly who the leak was. I don't have to do any legwork. I know oh. exactly who did it. That's, okay. that's, that's my theory. And that's the, the, now the disinformation stuff, that's when we get really far. I mean, okay. 
this will be the only time I ever want to talk about this on the podcast. The rise of the Bob Lazar story being a disinformation agent really peaked during the QAnon stuff. Okay. We don't touch QAnon here at Tales from the Dark. We are the most apolitical people you will ever meet. I don't care about Paul. If it's not, if you're going to email me and you say, oh, by the way, at the end, vote Trump, vote Biden. I'm, I'm not going to read the fucking email. Now, I don't care if it's, here are photos of me shaking hands with the Kentucky Goblin. I don't care. I, I no longer care because you attach politics to where they did not belong, which is the paranormal. And that's all of the paranormal because I can escape the nonstop barrage of political nonsense. I don't have to do it. I don't have to deal with that. But what it comes down to for me with Bob Azar being a disinformation agent, he had more to lose than he had to gain. And he still continues to lose. Like what people don't understand is Bob doesn't take a dime of money. Thank you. That's something I'd forgotten that he, he does not take a dime of money from the documentaries, from any books, from any appearances, even his appearance on Joe Rogan. He wouldn't let Joe pay for the dinner or the fucking flight to LA. Joe, he wouldn't even, yeah. He like was, he, Joe he, was shocked when he said, yeah, I offered to pay the flight. He wouldn't, he wouldn't take it. He wouldn't take the money. He would not let me pay for his ticket. Money is the number one motivator for people to spread misinformation, to make up fake stories, to make up fake uh, 100%. encounters. And, and, and he has not taken a single fucking dime, yeah. y'all. And then you have Joe Rogan, who you know has interviewed thousands of people. Who you, you know, he's probably a pretty good judge of character. He said, this guy's a scientist. He's, a, you know, if, if all, if everything else is a lie, he is, he a, is scientist. a scientist. And then Jeremy Corbell said the same thing. He can't keep up with Bob. It's science, science at this periodic table, this, that, no fucking idea. And then he talks about the, uh, during the, the George Knapp was on uh, with Jeremy Corbell and Joe Rogan and George Knapp said, yeah, at the, at the rise of the pandemic, I was really afraid. And I wanted to get one of these, um, the infrared or some type of scanner basically to, to sanitize stuff. Bob said, don't buy one. I got stuff in the garage. I'll make you one fucking made him one <laughs> and sent it to George Knapp. And it works. Oh, like this is, this is a scientist through and through. eccentric scientist. Yeah. I mean, and again, an inventor. Just, exactly. He's an inventor. And that's what I love. I mean, look up his fucking jet, uh, jet powder, jet fueled Corvette that he had that almost broke the land speed record. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was, that was really interesting. So to me, I don't, uh, I think the Bob Lazar story is what happens. Cause that, that's the thing they, they robbed him of his degrees. They robbed him of his past his, career, his past career, his, his potential passion. They robbed him of all these different things. Threaten his family. What, what threat is he now? No one believes him. They, they, they and, and to me, I think Bob Lazar, this is, this is an honest thought of mine. He's a warning to other people to say, this is what happens. This is what, this is what fucking happens if you come out against us. Because look at Woodrow Derenberger. Woodrow Derenberger was sat down at a space center and said, look, if, if you come out with this story, you continue to do what you're doing, moms are going to throw their babies out of the window. They are going to kill themselves. Do you want that on your con? You're a Christian man. Do you want that on your conscience? So this isn't the first time, and it's not going to be the last time we hear of something eccentric when it comes to, oh, you won't shut up? Well, we can't kill you. You're a public figure now. You come out publicly. If you just disappear, suddenly that that that's a lot. That's a Jimmy Hoffa situation. I was going to say, and you know what? Food for thought. How many people have disappeared who had information that could have got, gotten us closer to a semi-explanation for the higher phenomenon? 100%. I, How many people have disappeared? And again, 
do, I'm sure I, I, I've misspoke once or twice in this podcast, you know, who didn't misspeak over the past 25, 30, 40 years telling this story, Bob Lazar, Bob Lazar. And that's the, I have the information in front of me and I might misread a word or two. This guy's story has stayed consistent and just wait till tomorrow's episode. You guys think this one's crazy tomorrow's episode. It's fucking it's, it's, it's off the wall shit that, that I couldn't dream up is, is what tomorrow's episode is. So let's talk as criminal conventions, convictions real quick. Okay. Okay. So in 1990, Lazar was arrested for aiding and abetting a prostitution ring. This was reduced to a felony uh, pandering to which he pleaded guilty. He was ordered to do 150 hours of community service, stay away from brothels and undergo psychotherapy. In 2006, Lazar and his wife, Joy White were charged with violating the federal hazardous substances act for shipping restricted chemicals across state line. The charges stem from 2000, from a 2003 raid on a, United Nuclear's business offices um, where chemical sales were and records were examined. So I'm assuming that was their 115 raid. Mm, no, uh, no? That, that, happened, that happened later. Oh, okay. Uh, United Nuclear pleaded guilty to three criminal counts of uh, introducing into interstate commerce and aiding and abetting the introduction to interstate commerce, banned has, uh, hazardous substances, and that was the charge that they got hit with. In 2007, United Nuclear was fined $7,500 for violating a law prohibiting the sale of chemicals and components used to make illegal fireworks. Again, we go back to the eccentric scientist who he, who he has been on record saying, I think everyone should have access to this kind of stuff. I think if, if folks had access to this kind of stuff, science would be a lot further on than it is now. I mean, honestly, think of the hive, like, not the hive mind theory, I apologize, but just yeah. think of the think tank. How many people, not everyone's going to have an interest in it, but how many more people could have it and easier access, how much further along we could be. Exactly. Okay, so I've got this article here. Uh, the ITN, this is on WCBTD News 2. A look at how Bob Lazar's interviews match up with the Pentagon's admission of studying UFOs. So again, at this time, S4 supposedly didn't exist. S4 was... An imaginary tale from Bob Lazar. Exactly. So keep that in mind. I should have re referenced that earlier. S4, formerly before Bob Lazar didn't exist. This was not a real place that people knew about. We knew about it. It was just 51. Area 51. Bob Lazar blew the fucking lid off of all the surrounding uh, investigative uh, science areas. areas. Yes, of Area 51. So again, some of this is going to be a recap, but it'll be quick. 30 years ago on May 15th, KLAS-TV's 5 p.m. newscast aired a live interview with an anonymous man who made some extraordinary claims. Bob Lazar, who was being called Dennis at the time to protect his identity, alleged that the United States military was secretly studying alien technology out in the Nevada desert near a base that is now well known all over the world as Area 51. In the 1989 interview that started a whole new conversation, the claim sounded like a Hollywood sci-fi movie. Yep. Months later, when his identity was revealed, Bob Lazar said he worked at a secret facility near Groom Lake where alien technology was being reverse engineered, which meant to take a part to figure out how it worked and whether or not the Pentagon could duplicate it. So the Pentagon interaction right there, that's vitally important going forward. Because again, at this point, S4 didn't exist. We knew Area 51, we knew Roswell, we knew all this stuff. but That was it. S4 right. did not exist. So uh, they show a sample of the uh, the drawing that he made at the time. Basically, it's a very common flying saucer is what it looks like. Very skinny, uh, rounded top flying saucer. The premise seems less absurd now. In a new documentary about Lazar, he describes in detail the spacecraft he worked on 30 years ago. They're referencing Bob Lazar, Aliens, in Area 51. That's what the, the documentary they're re referencing. The craft that I worked on, 
uh, that when it's going to travel long distance, that is how it operates. It pulls its belly towards the target and then brings all the amplifiers to power. And you know, it shoots off in that direction. It doesn't fly as it would in a science fiction movie. It flies with the belly or the bottom forward, says Lazar. Okay, at this point, you guys need to pause the podcast, go to YouTube and look these up as I explain these, because these are very, very important that you know what we're referencing here. If that description of a spacecraft tilting sounds familiar, take a look at the so-called gimbal UFO. The Pentagon released a video in 2017 by that same title, where naval pilots encountered a fleet of the unknown craft off the coast of Florida back in 2015 and have since had dozens of encounters. The spike in UFO incidents prompted a recent policy change by the Navy, which announced it wants to encourage its pilots to report future incidents. So that's vitally important because up to this point, most pilots going back to the Gorman incident weren't were frowned upon for even acknowledging the existence of anything because you were fucking crazy. And under- Gorman, the Gorman incident, he was legitimately made fun of yep. and and told that he was he was interacting in a, with a dogfight with a fucking weather balloon. Yeah, told like, the soldier that. Yeah, the, this the this this fighter pilot yeah. supposedly wouldn't know the difference between a uh, an unidentified alien craft and alien in the it, sense of unknown, unknown to humanity. Yes, not alienism like necessarily. We're saying that it was definitely. A goblin or yeah, a, a, an extraterrestrial. Or gray, yeah. But they told him, you were fighting with a weather balloon. Really? A fighter pilot was in, I think it was a 45-minute dog fight. Yep. With, um, and he had, had like 20-plus years of experience or something crazy like that. Yeah, and if you guys are interested in that story, go to uh, the Tales from the Dark YouTube, the Gorman incident. I did a full deep dive into it because it was, it was fucking insane. Yeah. So Pentagon officials reluctantly admitted to the New York Times 17 months ago that the military had secretly studied UFO incidents, in part so it might figure out the technology, a la Bob fucking Lazar, 30 years ago. Yep. In the gimbal video, there's a mechanistic turn against the wind without deceleration. And so we have a craft without rotors, without heat signatures, without plums, without tail fins, and certainly no tail number, moving in a way that's counterintuitive to our aeronautics said Jeremy Corbell, the director of Bob Lazar, Area 51 and Flying Saucers. When Bob saw it, he said it has to be the gravity-propelled uh, propelled craft and that it does mimic the propulsion system that Bob Lazar described. Along with directing the Lazar documentary, Corbell also broke the story about another now-famous UFO incident, the 2004 Tic Tac encounter. That's vitally important. So the Tic Tac, it gained a lot of popularity, I think, three years ago. And people said... I can't believe if this is real that we don't have better, better video feeds on the on the, the U.S. Navy's you know, fucking planes. You don't just watch. No, it, it's in 2004. First off, my guy, the, calm down, calm down from your couch. <laughs> the fact that they were able to catch this at all is is fucking astounding. That is absolutely astounding because at the speed the Tic Tac moves. Now you had some when you first saw it. You had some questions though, because you said the way it was zoomed in could make it seem like it was going faster than it was. Yes. So I, I have since had to go back on that uh, because what had happened is somebody on YouTube, I can't remember the gentleman's name. He's, uh, he's a high school student who hoped to get an MIT, slowed it down frame by frame. And you know how fast that water's moving underneath the Tic Tac. He counted the amount of frames for how much distance that would have to, he, he literally looked up the patent for the video camera that was attached to the the jet and how fast it can go and how wide the shot is and went frame by frame by frame to figure out how fast this thing was moving. 
That's a smart kid. That's it. That's the kid. He should have gotten a scholarship. He's a fucking genius. I hope he got a scholarship. Yeah. And that made me change my entire viewpoint on this of, Oh, it is moving that fast. But to your, to your point, yeah. seeing that without having to do the science and the math behind it to figure out frame by frame, how fast it was going conveniently makes you think that it's not real because it's black and white exactly, and, and gray, yeah. black and white and gray. And there's no reference point unless you are actively using that camera system and you understand how it works. There's no building to refer exactly. to refer how fast, like yeah. if it went across the city of Cincinnati, you could say, okay, Cincinnati is three or a hundred miles. You know, I don't know how long Cincinnati is, but we can time that. And we can easily do the math for that. Exactly. This was over the water. So exactly. We yeah. had no reference. I also love that we, we are all for Bob Lazar and yet we were skeptical about this video when it came out. We we're like, eh, maybe <laughs> fucking probably not. Maybe. Though. I yeah. mean, it's a UFO, but yeah. come on now. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not that impressive. We, we can build a better one out back. No. <laughs> so the Navy pilot who engaged the Tic Tac, black aces commander, David Fravor. Now Dave Fravor has had a bunch of interviews since then. I think he's actually been on Rogan as well. He has a, uh, I think it's an ABC Tonight or an NBC Tonight interview that's really, really good regarding the fact that this isn't the first one he's seen. And it's not, he saw more after the fact with better quality that was not released. But he said that he doesn't believe the astonishing craft was made on Earth and the propulsion system might be anti-gravity. So again, this is a fighter pilot who has flown countless missions, who is very familiar with what our crafts can do and says, yeah, this thing. Because I think, yeah, it was on Joe Rogan. He said the first thing that I thought was, I want to fly this thing. <laughs> I want to do that. And what I can tell you from talking to fighter pilots, talking to special operators, that's how they talk. It's not, oh, that's terrifying. It's, well, I don't fucking, what's I want to do that. Want, where's, where's my turn? I want my turn. <laughs> when Lazar was showing the Tic Tac video for the first time, it immediately reminded of the sport model, which was the name for the uh, crash that uh, the craft that he studied stash in the desert. No question on my mind. That's the way the craft operated. Lazar said it's the exact same propulsion system. Again, now we're talking about the Tic Tac, not the gimbal. Former Pentagon investigator, uh, intelligence officer, Lou Elizondo, that's a very, this is going to come up tomorrow as well, was in charge of the ATIP, the secret Pentagon study. Doesn't he, he have a kind of mm, past as well? Yeah. He told the I-team one goal of the project was to determine the physics of UFOs, how they can achieve the seemingly impossible. The, Miller, the military came to believe that the craft relied on special metamaterials, stuff that can't be made with known technology. Now, Lazar made similar claims decades ago, and he was ridiculed. And now the Pentagon's finally on the same page publicly. That's the important part, publicly. Not they could they, have been thinking this way for years because the, of Bob Lazar or because yes, of other scientists. Exactly. But now they have publicly admitted, probably thinking that no one was actually going to believe Bob Lazar and make the connections that it was the same. Yeah. The study of UFOs did not end in 1969 with Project Blue Book. That was a lie, and it was admitted to be a lie by our own Pentagon, says Jeremy Corbell. We are living in a world where it is understood that there are craft technologies advanced from an unknown origin that are performing maneuvers that far exceed human technology. It's been going on for a long time and our government has been studying it. I mean, 100%. That's where it ends. When the Pentagon came out and, and, and the UFO report, or sorry, the UAP report, if we're, <laughs> if we're being politically correct, comes out. Not a mention of Bob Lazar. No, no, we've never once thrown an apology towards Bob Lazar. They or, never will. No, hundred. No, they're gonna. They're, he's gonna die on that hill, and they're gonna die on theirs. 
The difference is Bob Lazar told us about this decades ago. And, and what, has proof of telling us decades ago. And now that we're coming out and saying, well, yeah, we are. We have been studying UFOs. Um, yes, there was a budget for S4 that didn't exist until Bob said it existed. Yeah, there have been other people who've come forward, but they've, you know, that's where it got interesting. It's when George Knapp mentioned the folks who came forward. There was one guy who was posing as his neighbor, sending letters to George Knapp. George Knapp was speaking at a conference. This guy happened to walk into the uh, the men's room and says, George, uh, I'm so-and-so, or scientist so-and-so, doctor so-and-so, whatever he said. Um, you're not doing a story on me, are you? And George Knapp's like, I don't, I don't think so. Who are you? And he told him, and then he ended up basically figuring out that this guy just wanted to be in on the story. So anyone who doubts that George Knapp's not doing his fucking homework doesn't know George Knapp. George Knapp is a gym, as far as I'm concerned, as an investigative journalist. He, he is... I, I, I aspire to be George Knapp because we're going to get into more George Knapp tomorrow in tomorrow's episode, but this guy does what we do, but he's been doing it for Years, decades now. Yeah. He's been not only saying, yeah, I'll, I'll go report on the phenomenon. I'm going to go to the phenomenon, but it's also, he's, he's done reports on murderers, cartels, drugs. He's, he's done it all. He's a true investigative journalist, whereas we are more one-sided towards high strangers as a whole. I have a deep-rooted respect for both Bob Lazar, Jeremy Corbell, and George Knapp. Now, admittedly, Jeremy Corbell, if you want to see how to film a documentary, <laughs> if you want to see how to get out of Sony Vegas and go over to Premiere Pro and maybe not use a microphone that sounds like this, just let me know. I, I got you, bro. Tales from the Dark, I'll do it for free. We, we help everyone. I'll do it for free. Put it, put it, put our name in the credits, and I, I, will, I will fucking edit your stuff for free. Just send it over. <laughs> I don't even need to know the subject matter. Just say, this is a story I want to tell. I got you, bro. Because when George Knapp's uh, in the documentary that we're referencing, the fucking George Knapp's microphone sounds better from 20 years ago than your microphone now. There's a problem, bro. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Great and, job, though. Yeah, Other than that, great yeah, job. Yeah, good subject matter, good content. And we'll get into Some of that, that B-roll doesn't fit, though. Some of that B-roll's a little questionable. <laughs> Some of that B-roll is like, okay. I know we sold it. We sold a two hour runtime. What do we have? Close up pictures of dismemberment. That's it. I got it. That's it. <laughs> That's the one. It, literally. I think he was just, he was just clearing out his SD card. He's like, okay, yep. I got four more clips. If I slow them down, black, black and white. I haven't used black and white, but for 30 minutes, got to throw it in there. <laughs> no, I love his documentaries. I love, but more it's George Knapp. George Knapp seems to be taking him under his wing and I would kill to be in that situation. Like allegedly all jokes aside, Jeremy Corbell, better, no <laughs> fight rank. No, but with that being said, guys, we've come up on our time. I, I appreciate all of you guys. I know this has been kind of an unorthodox episode and, and Bob Lazar is a controversial one, but we have him in our fucking intro. We had to cover him eventually. We're going to get through everybody next Friday is Friday the 13th. We got some exciting stuff coming up. We're coming up on spooky season. Halloween's coming up. We got spooky some exciting doobie. stuff. Um, also, I heard from Mr. Tyler Terry today. And I can't say what, because it's Tyler Terry, so this might be next Halloween. But <laughs> he plans to have something, some form of content ready on the Terror Barn channel by this Halloween. So now that I've said this publicly, harass him on Twitter and say, hey, Bob said, you guys, you might have some content this Halloween. Harass the fuck now, out of TT. Again, I'm not telling you guys what the content's on or the name of the project. because We don't want to ruin that. That's Tyler's stuff. But yeah. I'm saying. Go harass him. And support Tyler. Tyler's a good kid. He's helped us out a lot, but he's also, you know, it's he Tyler needs the Terry. motivation. Yeah, it's it's Tyler Terry. He needs to be motivated. He needs to be bullied into this. Uh, <laughs> but jokes aside, guys, thank you so much. It's been an amazing year. We appreciate 
everything you guys have done for us. You guys are giving us a new life and a new breath of fresh air and inspiration and, and excitement for life. And Brittany, again, thank you for supporting my fucking craziness. I don't know of any other wife who would be <laughs> sitting across a thousand dollars worth of audio equipment because I'm like, Hey, ZZ I, sounds man. <laughs> they got a good sale going on. I get two cents off Brittany. <laughs> but jokes aside, I mean, literally you've supported me every step of the way you've uprooted your entire life to come up here to be with me. That's, that's something to say, you know, maybe you're not the smartest woman, but you're, you know, you're still there. <laughs> I'm a woman, you're, <laughs> but you're here, you're supporting and we all love you. So thank you for what you do. And with that being said, unless you have anything else you want to add, I appreciate you. I think we're going to have to add, don't lie to me. Um, <laughs> the Bob Lazar story to our never ending, but are always growing tales from the dark. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus as humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.